Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. <clears throat> What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you. Our boy Jer Remo filling in for one Michael Remus today as he joins holidays. And now uh, we've got a packed show today. We're going to kick it off with the slat man, Joey Slattery. For the first little bit, Drew Mandel of Illegal Curve is going to pop by. And we'll also have a visit from Marat Atesh and Brandon Rowicki. Should be a great show today. Lots to get to as we count down to Labor Day. Do a little bit of off-season hockey talk and uh, get into what is up with the Toronto Blue Jays as they enjoy a day off before getting into a crucial week-and-a-half portion of their schedule against some of the worst teams in the major leagues. Welcome to everyone. Great to have you with us. Just before we get going, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Coolbet Canada, brand new lock shop on the uh, Labor Day weekend in the CFL. Check that out wherever you get your favorite pods. Our friends at Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, BP Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, and Nick and Nicky DQ, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace and Wallace. Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Aquatech, and Modern Man Barbershop. Slatman, what is going on? Man, I'm feeling the heat as uh, the clock goes down to my first draft. I know you were saying you're getting a little mental fatigue from all these drafts, and I'm not there yet, and I'm mentally fatigued, man. It's a crazy time to hear. Yeah, I, uh, I, I luckily, um, and listen, I, I've said this before. I love this time of year. I love getting together with the fellas, even if it's online and making our picks and getting ready for the season. Been in four different leagues and all different types. I mean, one was more of a dynasty. One is a redraft. One's a, a, a keeper league with a couple guys. But yeah, I've been through uh, the National Football League offensive players for a total of about 20 hours, it seems, over the course of this week. So uh, You've been through the really... draft gauntlet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A couple more next <laughs> week, but uh, we're heading into the weekend. And now, I mean, I just finished up doing the lock shop with uh, Dustin Nielsen, who will be calling the Labor Day Classic in Regina. Um, so really, I'm focused in on the, the Canadian Football League this weekend. And, um, yeah. You know, this next couple of weeks, I mean, with these back-to-backs between uh, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan and Labor, Labor Day in Regina, and then back here in Winnipeg for the Banjo Bowl, um, certainly two of the most fun weeks of the CFL regular season, and there's a lot to get to. Just quickly, shout out to everybody in chat. Great to see everyone in here. Hit us up. Actually, I've got a great why not question of the day for you guys in a minute, which we will get, but I am interested as to how many people that are here right now, anybody uh, anybody heading out to Regina for the game on the weekend? Should, it's shaping up to be a great weekend. Have you seen the forecast for Winnipeg for Saturday? No, no I've not. It's going to be 34 degrees. I was completely caught off guard by that. It hasn't really been that hot around here the last little bit. Um, not yeah, not the last little bit. And usually it's like this is the weekend we're like hoping for decent weather, right? Is the last weekend of summer. But man, see that's too hot for me though, Huss. I'm I like dude, dude. Tw- dude we can't complain. We cannot complain about that because guess what? In a little bring bit, it, man. I I'm one of those people. Bit, I it's winter. Prefer winter. I prefer winter. I like summer, but I am a hot blooded dude. I need I need that winter cold air in my face. I need the 
river to freeze over so I can skate and get physically active again. Man, it is underrated. It's called Winnipeg for a reason because Winnipeg knows how to do winter, unlike any other city. You know what? I, I was just but. thinking, you know, for a guy whose career has taken him all over the country, it's now making sense why you have loved Winnipeg as much as you have and have made it your home with your wife. Because, right. listen, dude, I think everyone knows if you're into winter, this is a great spot. <laughs> this is a great spot. And winter for you. sucks everywhere like anywhere in canada except for maybe vancouver like there's something terrible about winter i hated winter in toronto because it's that like damp slushy snow you always had like soakers in your feet uh edmonton would get super cold like for a couple of weeks where it was just like you know mind-blowing cold but overall it was fine the thing i didn't like about edmonton is that it never felt like the sun fully came up in that like heart of winter it was like the sun was rising and right when you felt like it was about to peak it just started setting again it always felt like you were in like that sunrise sunset mode and then in Regina, the wind will slice your face off. That, that was my rudest awakening. I think the worst one I had in terms of cold was that one winter I spent in Regina because it was so windy. And it was like that bitter, dry wind in your face. Like I wanted to cry the first time I had it. I went to Marksburg Warehouse that first cold day. I was almost in tears. I was For some reason, it was a press conference outside. I went right to Marks. I think I spent like 80 bucks on earmuffs and whatever I spent. <laughs> they could have charged me $700, Huss. I would have paid it because it was the best investment I made that year. I think I still yeah, have them. It's like a commemoration with, of I survived Regina winter. Had to go with earmuffs to uh, protect that network hair for all of your uh, all oh, of your buddy. stand ups. Got to keep the curls right? right now. Speaking of wind right now, I'm looking out here. The wind today, it's bad. I took the dog nuts. out before this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how windy it's going to become the weekend. But often when it gets really hot, that often happens. But yeah, Friday to kick off the weekend, 28 and sunny. Saturday. 34 and sunny and 29 and sunny on Sunday and a little bit of rain expected on Monday coming back. So we're, uh, we're getting a banger of a long weekend to uh, finish off. Yeah. What's been a pretty awesome summer around here. I'm and looking for AC fun. on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Great to see some of the folks that are heading out to support the bombers in the game. And Oh, I see Marshall Patterson's in the chat. What up Marsh? A TSN 1290 post-game Hall of Famer. Marsh is going to be coming into a town, and he will be at the sports trivia event that we're doing at Little Brown Jug. Folks, if you don't have your tickets nice. already, there are like hardly any left. Get them in the description of the video, or if you're listening to the podcast, go to winnipegsportstalk.com because as of two nights ago, they were down to 10 tickets left for the uh, before they were sold out. So... We've had such a great time with those events, the first couple, just getting bigger and better. So uh, if you haven't already and you do want to join us, get to winnipegsportstalk.com, click that link, or if you're with us on YouTube, hit that link in the description, and we will get going. Now, we are going to be talking some hockey. Drew Mandel is going to jump on the program. Uh, Murata Tesh as well. Probably talk a little more NFL with Brandon at the end of the program, but um, we've got a... Uh, we've got a really interesting little bit of uh, a rules discussion coming to the uh, the um, Champions League in Europe. And I know most people are not familiar with the Champions League in hockey. Most people, if you pay any attention to international soccer, know about the Champions League, which puts the best club teams in the world, in UEFA, um, going at it for one of the biggest prizes in club soccer in the world. Um, but they do the same thing over in Europe 
And as the Champions League starts today, some really innovative rules that they've done under the auspices of the IIHF. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But Slats, I wanted to hit the Blue Jays quickly with you before we kind of dive yeah. into Labor Day and everything. We need to get to this. Uh, big win yesterday, first and foremost, and the Mets of all teams helped them out beating the Texas Rangers. So they get back to that two and a half game number out of the wild card. And yes, they won a series, although very disappointing. They didn't get the sweep considering who they were playing against. As we were talking off air, they're going into Colorado. I think they've got the Royals. They've got the A's coming up. I mean, some really, really yeah. weak teams. So it is moving time right now for the Toronto Blue Jays. But I got to tell you, I mean, a, the, the same things that have held this team back all year long are still showing signs that um, it might be tough to overcome. And uh, they don't have a lot of time left. I mean, to me, I think this season is going to be determined with how much hay they can make playing against these uh, bottom feeders over the course of these next three series. It's a huge opportunity, right? Like this is this is what you pray for this part of the schedule, especially the way that this season's been going for the Blue Jays. Now they just fell out of the wild card spot, you know, in the last few the last few games. But my thing with the Blue Jays, historically speaking, you know, growing up as a fan, it was always these games. Like the Royals, particularly, was always that team. It felt like they were never great, mostly speaking. They've had some good years throughout it, but. Whenever they weren't good and the Blue Jays were powerful, they were not even powerful, but like even in the Vernon Well years, they beat the Yankees, they beat the Red Sox, you know, they beat the powerful teams in the AL East. And then when it seemed like you had hope and they were going into these games that they should win, like a Kansas City or an Oakland, uh, in this case, Colorado, those were the ones they would lose. Like those would be the series they would lose and ultimately miss out on the playoffs, right? And we went a lot of years with no playoff baseball before that 2015 run. So Part of me is optimistic in the sense that this is a good opportunity. You won that series, right? It wasn't pretty. You should have swept it for sure. But at the end of the day, you won the series, which is, you know, the goal in every series you go into. They also ended that series on a very, very high note, right? I mean, you had uh, Chris Bassett with eight innings, three hits, shutout. Uh, you know, he was fantastic. The pitching's been fantastic for them overall. Uh, Kirk, I love Alejandro Kirk. He goes in there, you know, he's not playing oh, every day too. as a catcher. He's splitting with Danny Jansen. But, you know, this guy just, you know, doesn't look like he's much of a, you know, doesn't have the athletic build, so to speak. But then, you know, he's got the heart. Like, that guy, he had a double last night where he just hustled. As soon as it was off the bat, you know, he's not swinging for the fences. He's just trying to get in scoring position to get the team on the board. He also had three RBIs last night. I mean, he, he does it all. He's such a great asset to this team. Uh, and it's almost too bad he doesn't play more. Like Danny Jansen has his moments, but like you almost want to see Kirk all the time. I just love watching that guy play. He's one of well, my favorites. Kirk, Kirk uh, is not not only is Kirk, I mean, uh, a hitting savant, if you ask me. He's also one of the most interestingly built players. I mean, he's basically a hot water tank with legs. Um, you know, and is he's he quick. Steal 30 like he's actually bases? quick. <laughs> well, he he's deceivingly quick, I think, from what you expect uh, expect from yeah, him. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, but listen, you know what? Those clutch hits that he had yesterday, that's been something that this team has been missing all year long. Like Joey, I still scratch my head and try to understand how this team is two and a half games out of a wild card with the lineup that they have and the pitching that they've got all year long. This is the ERA of their starting four right now: Bassett, three eighty one. Berrios, 370, Gosman, 330, Kikuchi, 363. I mean, they have been getting 
elite starting pitching quality starts all year long. And for a team that has the likes of Bo Bichette, albeit he's been injured as of late, Chapman and Vlad Guerrero may be the biggest culprit. They just have not hit with runners in scoring position all year long. And this team needs to find the ability to be a little bit more clutch right now because this entire season is riding, uh, riding on this next little bit. And I don't know about you, but if the Toronto Blue Jays miss the playoffs this year, this will go down as an absolute failure of the organization. Big changes will happen. I'm sure Schneider would be gone. But, I mean, this you look at this team, the way it's built, and the starting pitching that they've gotten, this is the opportunity for them to contend with the best in Major League Baseball. Like, they should not even be in the situation they're in right now had they got a few I more clutch hits over the year. I could not agree with you more because this year they went out and got the pitching that they needed, right? Like in the last few years, that, as I said yesterday, right, it was always the pitching. Uh, a starter would come in, uh, you know, and not live up to expectation or get injured or, you know, even this year, you know, Manoa going down. Like there's always been issues with pitching, but this year, overall, the pitching's been pretty strong, right? The one thing we didn't think we'd have to worry about is the bats and having Vladdy Guerrero and Bo Bichette and, you know, Chapman and all these guys, you know, hitting. That's what they're paid to do, and they're paid good money to do it. And Chris Bassett, actually, yesterday after the game, I caught the, the post-game interview, and he said something interesting. And he was saying, like, this team, when it pops, we're going far. Like, the season is not over. And if these bats start getting going and everybody's clicking like it's supposed to, this is a scary team. They have maybe one of, one of the best, if not the best, pitching rotations in baseball. They've got the most powerful hitters on paper that have just not panned out this season. Right. So you look at the lineup in terms of what they built and yeah, organizational failure. Sure. But like, where do you put the onus on? Right. To me, it's it's the players or maybe Schneider, like something is not clicking. That's getting these guys motivated. You know, we've heard this even in hockey, you know, at some point the players have to motivate themselves. You can only do so much. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen now, because these guys have been, you know, the young guys coming up, the cities loved them. You know, the country's loved them. We've been, you know, ton of hope around these guys and well, now the building's been packed all year long too i mean like they've been packed had all it's been packed for years support i mean right it's been packed for years year, because of the promise more, and hope. Like, my uh you know i'm buddies with jd bunkus who um does the um uh jd bunkus pod you know for uh, for sportsnet in toronto and we did some work together I interned with him back we had day. him on at the beginning of the of the of the show and you know he was saying that like right now they've had I mean, a huge boost, like right from the start, attendance wise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like the, there is a real frustration level of the fan base right now because everyone knows how talented this team is. And it's one thing or another so often. I think he called them uh, unbelievably believable because you just, you, you're used to it at this point. That being said, like I said, a nice win yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating. This I mean, team is fascinating. Like, it's like <laughs> you're almost watching a, like a train wreck sometimes, but you just can't look away. Like, and I would love to see what the ratings are this year too, compared to other seasons. Cause I feel like people are still watching because for two reasons to see when is this team going to finally pop, right? Like it has to be coming. I refuse to believe that that roster is not going to pop at, at some point this year. It'd be nice because that means it's going into the playoffs on a nice rate, but you know, what moves can you make? If you look at going say they miss the playoffs, right? I mean, what's the first move that you make to, to change the roster? Like looking at it again on paper, seeing the roster they built, there's no easy answer. It's just guys that won't, that haven't performed this year. 
and some that has been a little bit ongoing Sino since Tani. they arrived in Toronto. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I, but even then, so like, let's just say like you, you got that gift, right? Like, how does that help this in terms of, yeah, you got the greatest player and everything else, but like, it's the rest of the lineup that's a problem. And it's like, say, if you want to do something really bold, like trade a star player, what are you going to get back for them right now? Right? Because now every well, other team is looking at these Chabin's guys. Chabin's a free agent too. Chabin's well, and that's, a free and agent. That, so you got to look at, you look at him, like, you know, I, like, I think you want to bring him back. But after this season, it's not as easy as a decision as it was, say, last year, right? Um, and he's getting a little bit older, too. So then you got to take into these things into factor. You know, what term is he looking for? How much money? And is the market out there for him, too? Are you competing with anybody like you would have been if his free agency was oh. coming into this year, right? So it's like, it's a lot of, like, I, I, there's no answers. Like, I would hate to be the general manager of the Blue Jays right now because I'd be looking at it like, I've done everything. I've I've got what I fix one thing. You know, I patch one hole. And another hole breaks open in another department. Like it's just, it's in, it seems impossible at this point until it's not, right? All it takes yeah. is one stretch of you know five, six game win streak, and then you got to win the one and dones in the playoffs, get into the series, and then all you got to do is beat the other team more times than you get than you get beat, right? They've not had their run this year, Whoa. and every team has a big losing streak, and every team has a bit a win streak usually in a season, and the Blue Jays have not had their really you know heart filled run yet. Well, and the funny thing is, is Texas, who's holding down that final wild card, is actually three and seven in their last ten. And I mean, they made some big additions, you know, at the deadline, they're getting Scherzer in from the Mets, but they haven't been playing particularly well. Um, but I mean, they're still seventeen games above five hundred. So the Jays have some work to do. Starts off today in Colorado tomorrow to take on the Rockies, who have been. Uh, ugly to say the least. They are the dead last team in the National League. And uh, were it not for Oakland and Kansas City, the next two teams that Jays play, they'd be the worst team in the majors. So um, just a little Jays update on the off day as they head into a real crucial part of the season. Some big news in the CFL today. And again, the eyes uh, are all going to be on the big games on the weekend, the rivalry games, the Labor Day Classic, and then the between the Bombers and Riders, and then the two games on Monday. And, of course, BC looking to get back at it against Montreal. But Chad Kelly's got a new three-year deal with the Toronto Argonauts. And, you know, Joey, it's really it, – it's funny the way things have worked out for uh, for the men they call swag. Um, because he came here to the Canadian Football League, really, like many guys that, you know, get a limited opportunity in the NFL, don't play much, don't do much. Had some off-field issues, to say the least, and finds yeah. himself there. Played behind MBT last year, didn't play much. We saw him in the Great Cup, but he's been a huge reason why the Argos, as of right now, are still the betting favorite to win the Great Cup. And uh, for anyone that was worried that you know he was going to be leaving right afterwards, the Argos investing in their future, getting Chad yeah. on a three-year deal. Uh, he'll make a significant raise and probably can make in and around Zach Caleros money being close to the highest paid quarterback in the league, but a big, big move by the Argos to sort of secure that future and not have to go back to the drawing board at the end of this year for a guy that's, you know, taking the reins from MBT and um, maybe made this team even better. Well, that's it, right? Like, you know, uh, cause MBT, he went to, was it the, the USFL? Um, yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, which that, that's it, where the, he went because he thought that he was going to get some, um, some, and NFL he wanted to be closer to him. home and all yeah. that, right? So it didn't, but happen. like it's kind of funny because it's loaded. The way it goes, the money. 
<laughs> but the way it goes down, it kind of feels like what Nathan Rourke's hoping for, right? Like just for the a starting quarterback to go away just so you get your opportunity to step up and shine. But, you know, good for Chad Kelly. Because as you say, you look at the Argos, was it two years ago when they started getting in, in fights with the fans after uh, like Hamilton took over their, their stadium at BMO Field? And it just kind of seemed like, you know, Pinball Clemens is coming to break it up. And it just kind of seemed like in that moment, like, man, these Argonauts like do not have it buttoned up at all. And then they turn it around last year, right? They build, they make the acquisition, they get Harris in there. And then from, you know, building on Harris and the, you know, as a, a guy that comes into that championship pedigree with the blue bombers that, you know, brought the blue bombers up really uh, to where they are now. And now he's almost, I wouldn't say he's doing it solely responsible, but you look at the culture of the team. I'm sure he had a big part of that into what they're building now in the East. They won a great cup last year. They look poised to get back there this year. And Chad Kelly has been solid, right? Like you want a solid quarterback and it looks like he's having fun right now, you know, when you're destroying teams left, right, and center. But if you have good quarterback play, they have, you know, they have a strong running back, like a tandem in running backs, really. Uh, he's got some good receivers. They've been strong defensively. So, I mean, you look at this team, you got your guy. And if you're looking at trying to draw players now, as you try to build yourself into trying to be the next, you know, the blue bombers of the East, so to speak, We've got our guy, right? We trust this guy 100%. We've signed him in for the for the long haul. So if you're coming here, like we are committed to winning for the next three years, and that's going to be a huge draw as they're trying to fill some holes as guys, you know, I'm sure a guy like Andrew Harris might retire at the end of this year. I mean, we were wondering at the end of Grey Cup last year if that was his last game. So there's, gonna play like, you know, they still have to look. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think too. They never doesn't look like he's slowing down at all, right? He gets a little injury, rests up a little bit, and off he goes <laughs> like nothing ever happened. But I, I just think how, it's a. Do you remember how Chad Kelly's time in the NFL ended? I'm not sure no. a lot of people remember this story, but it is quite funny. And it's great to see that he has established himself in the CFL and he's got his contract because, you know, he was coming out of Old Miss and he was like a bad boy in the SEC. Uh, he was on another team. I think he got kicked off. He went and had a great, great run and ended up getting picked. He was Mr. Irrelevant. The last mm -hmm. pick in the seventh round by the Denver Broncos in 2017. Basically, the exact same situation Brock Purdy was in with the 49ers as the last pick in the draft. Um, he was quite good, and he was with, he was with the team. Um, Vaughn Miller had a Halloween party. Chad went there, and he certainly has a rep for enjoying himself enjoyed himself probably a little too much left the party and went into the wrong house he entered a couple's residence completely yes lit. and then there was a video of him getting chased out of the home with a vacuum cleaner and he was wearing a <laughs> cowboy costume so yes the the, the, oh the career gosh. arc of chad kelly from from Vaughn Miller's Halloween party to signing a three-year extension with the Toronto Argonauts and becoming a great cup champion in the middle is, uh, is really, really quite interesting. Um, that, hey, I totally, I remember the Mr. Relevant pick, but forgot about that <laughs> yeah. whole party thing. That's so funny. Yeah. Take an Uber folks and get that, get that uh, address <laughs> address, right. When you're, uh, when you're deciding, when you're, uh, when you're uh, checking out, um, Slats, good luck in your pool tonight. Um, tomorrow, thank you. Heading into the weekend, we can do a little recon 
of your picks. I'm going to talk to our friend Drew Mandel about a little bit of that. We're going to hit a whole bunch of things with Drew. Obviously, we know Drew mainly talking hockey on a legal curve, but I know he's going to have some good CFL Labor Day Classic takes. And um, we were just in a pool together, so we'll probably get into a little bit of NFL as well. But uh, Slats, fun having you hang out all week. Uh, have a good one tonight, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, kicking it off on a Friday in about 23 and a half hours from now tomorrow. Looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the show lineup. Have fun with the boys and Marat and all them. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully I have a championship team to present to you. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, Murderer's Row of guests <laughs> today, starting with Drew Mandel, Murat Atash, Rowicki coming up a little later on. Joey Slattery, take it easy. Give Slats a follow, folks, on Twitter at Joey Slattery TV. All right, just before we get to our pal, I see Drew. Uh, let me give a big shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barber Shops. Now, guys, with eight locations in Winnipeg, conveniently located around the city, including the two newest locations on Pemina Highway and on Plessy Road. Modern Man Barber, Barber Shops has everything that a man could need when uh, they're heading into the shop. Uh, haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look very easily uh, with at any of the eight locations at the same website, modernmanbarber.com. And while you're uh, flicking around on IG, give them a follow on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Hard to believe we are, it is the final day of August. September is tomorrow. I'll tell you what, there is uh, still time. And maybe you're just planning, working with our friends at Aquatech about making sure that the 2024 summer as you spending all of it in a pool. Of course, Aquatech are the leaders in uh, above ground or in ground pools. And they make all those dreams come true. And of course, home renovations start with Aquatech with thousands of rentals as their foundation. Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. And as well, if you're looking to finance, their team can provide plans that suit you. Um, limited install dates left. Visit Aquatech in store or online to learn how they can make your in-ground, above-ground pool dreams a reality. More info at aqua-tech.ca. Well, we were just going over this forecast for the long weekend. 34 on Saturday. It's going to feel like the middle of summer as opposed to the end. Lots of time to uh, get out and make the most of it. But you got to have your batteries for those long weekend hijinks with the family and friends. Whether you're getting out into a boat, a lawn tractor, a camper, uh, ATVs, motorcycles, whatever you do, you got to have batteries for it. And Manitoba Battery is your local option with the best prices in town. It's really that easy. Get to manitobabattery.com for the best prices on batteries of all makes and models, beating the pants off the big box stores. And not only will you be saving money, you'll be saving time finding a parking spot at Costco or waiting in the line at Canadian Tire because Manitoba Battery will deliver that battery to you for free anywhere inside the perimeter with any purchase over 60 bucks. Get on over to manitobabattery.com to make your order. Give them a phone call. Or if you'd like to pop by and see Donnie and his great staff, you can do that at 1026 logan avenue just before we bring in drew hey it is long weekend coming up and i'll tell you what we don't have to wait to the banjo bowl to get our hands on some of those delicious canadian club and ginger ale pre-mixed cocktails when you're picking up beer for the road maybe grabbing a few little brown jugs to take out to regina grab a few cc and gingers as well great drink in the summer and you'll see those all over ig field next week for the banjo bowl 
as of course Canadian Club is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And of course, all the CC products available at the LC because Manitoba Liquor Marts are open again as the strike has been averted. All right, let's uh, get to our pal Drew Mandel. It was great to see Drew, who hosted Jamie Thomas's draft earlier this week. We got a little NFL talk. We got a big football game on the weekend. We got a hockey season around the corner. Drew, what's up? How's your summer been? It's, summer's been great. I'm off to a great start. I already knocked down my camera, so let's get that back up and running. There we go, Huss. I'm doing great, brother. How you doing? It was great seeing you earlier this uh, week. A lot of fun. You know, there's some bad draft picks notwithstanding, but a lot of fun was had nonetheless. How uh, how refreshed are you right now from going an entire m- month without having to deal with Ezzy Ginsberg and Dave Manuk? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, I love Ezzy and Dave very deeply. You know that. But this month is very important to all of us to just get that little <laughs> bit of time and space away from one another. You know, you know, you know. Every now and then, uh, you need a little bit of a weekend away from your significant other. That's the equivalent thereof for me, getting this month away from Dave and Ezzy. We leave each other alone for a solid month, but we return refreshed, recharged, and ready to make uh, you know YouTube, TV, podcast magic yet again. Mm-hmm. I see back next Saturday, Banjo Bowl, Saturday, 9 a.m. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I tell you what, you guys nailed it because you picked the perfect time. Like, literally nothing has happened since you got... Oh, I guess no. Logan Stanley signed a one-year, $1 million contract. That is the extent of anything <laughs> happening with the Winnipeg Jets so far. As, and uh, it'll probably be just in time for you guys to get back. We have players and we have... Uh, the, you know what? I, I want to talk, actually, about some other hockey topics in the football as well, but... First yeah. off, I mean, what do you make of the Jets situation going in? I mean, obviously they made a big trade and that, you know, there's three players coming in. Um, a couple of guys we thought might be traded are still here. Um, what do you expect to happen when training camp starts? And what are the, what are the biggest questions for you when you look at this hockey club before we drop the puck in Calgary on the October, 11th of October? You know, I would say that the Jets are trying to draw to an inside straight, if I can use a poker analogy. They're, you know, it seems like their plan, if you can even call it that, is to hope that everything lines up perfectly, that all these dominoes fall perfectly, that, you know, Shifley becomes rejuvenated and decides that he, and, you know, has a commitment to defense and he wants to stay in Winnipeg. And then the team goes on a run and they get back to being close to a Stanley Cup contender, and maybe that keeps Hellebuck around uh, for, on a long-term deal. Uh, you know, I, I think that they are definitely, uh, you know, hoping, and uh, they're, they're living on a wing and a prayer if they expect all these things to happen and to break successfully and to somehow have this window, as we've talked about for so many years, reopen. I, you know, I talk to people even, you know, in August and they say, what's the plan? And I say to them, I don't know what the plan is because it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. It seems like they're going to try and, you know, find a way to maybe squeak into the playoffs or even become a playoff team. And then maybe that'll be enough to convince Shifley and Hellbuck. But so many so much uncertainty. We know this team loves to kick the can down the road. They love to not make any difficult decisions until they absolutely have to. 
the problem with doing that, the problem with waiting to the trade deadline is, you know, to make those decisions is, you know, maybe it's not quite a buyer's market that it might have been in the off season. So they're definitely taking a risk. They're definitely think that it's an educated risk is I'm sure what they're thinking, but you know, will it pay off in the end? That is truly what I'm skeptical about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say this. I think the reason why we're having these same conversations is not a, uh, a, a hesitancy from Winnipeg jets to do anything. I think it was the fact that there just wasn't the market that I think a lot of people, myself included, expected there would be for Mark Scheifele well, and why, Connor why Hellebuck. You, well, for Connor Hellebuck, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, goaltenders are like running backs in the NFL right now. Nobody wants to pay for a goaltender or you don't think you need to pay for a goaltender. You think you can find one, you know, for cheap. You can find one uh, to fill in. I don't think that you can like they do with running backs in the NFL. And with Mark Scheifele, well, why is anybody paying big dollars for Mike, Mark Scheifele? Yeah, he can get you 40 goals, but he gives up 50 goals based on his defensive performance. Teams are, you know, by and large, they're smarter and don't just get caught up in flashy, you know, you know, goal numbers without looking at the downside to things. Mark Scheifele is going to re resuscitate his trade value simply if he plays better hockey on both ends of the ice. Can he do that? Will he do that? Well, I'm skeptical. We haven't seen it. You know, is he listening to someone other than Adam Oates for once? Who's, you know, who's saying, you know, maybe goal scoring isn't the be all and end all. Maybe you do need to be a complete, more complete player. You know, that would be a huge change. And we haven't seen any evidence that that's what's going on. I'm sure if that's the case, the Jets would be, you know, overwhelmingly thrilled to have that development occur and have him either improve his value to the Jets themselves or improve his value on the trade market. But, you know, if you're the boss, I mean, you hear, you know, Boston, you know, making connections between the, you know, Shifley and the Bruins after the Bruins, you know, lost all the players they did in the off season. Is there a player who seems less like a Boston Bruins player than Mark Shifley right now? I mean, you know, the Bruins are built with a defensive approach. You know, Patrice Bergeron was Patrice Bergeron, not just because of his offensive numbers, but because he was a defensive stalwart. I mean, all of a sudden, you think Mark Scheifele is coming in to, to, to be any sort of, you know, one-tenth of a Patrice Bergeron. You're probably fooling yourself. Yeah, um, let's just say that that has not been the... Uh, Bergeron <laughs> has not been the blueprint for uh, for the Scheifele. And listen, he does a lot of things. No. He's done a lot of great things for this team. I mean, he's been part of some of their biggest successes. But, I mean, we talked to a lot of people in Nashville. And, you know, I, I she drag or whatever, like, what is the... Like, why are we not hearing much more? Because it was very clear that the Winnipeg Jets, they were buying Blake Wheeler out, and Mark was very closely tied to Blake, and I think they saw the writing on the wall with one year left of the contract, and I still don't yeah. believe. I mean, maybe there's some discussions internally, and there's some different viewpoints within the organization, but I don't think that this team is thinking about making another investment into Mark Shifley after this. I think they sort of realized that the time had come. But there was two things. I think his reputation has taken a little bit of a hit over the last couple of years about the way the seasons yeah. have ended, what people have heard from him, and a lack of maybe commitment to what the coach has been wanting to do for the betterment of the team as opposed to the individual. And then the other mm -hmm. thing is, and this we've heard this for a long time, there is an expectation, I've been told, that you know the ask for an extension for Mark Shifley is going to be 
significant. Now, you can always ask. Well, you don't necessarily yeah. get it. But there's a lot into it, and I think that all played into it too because the bottom line is the guy can produce for any team in the National Hockey League to a certain level. Yeah, look, there's no question that, that you know Mark Scheifele on the offensive side of the game is – one of the better goal scorers in the league. He was last year. He's been a consistent goal scorer. And we know that goals, you know, scoring goals is the hardest thing to do in the NHL. No question about that. I'm never going to denigrate him for his ability to do that. And that has a significant value to it. But at the same time, all the other items that you just mentioned, Huss, are going to right now, they're serving to depre to depress his market and depress his value. And the only way for that to change is for Mark himself to prove everyone wrong, to prove that he's going to be more than just a one-trick pony, albeit a very difficult trick to pull off. Now, that's, I think, what the Jets are going to need to see from him and what Mark Scheifele is going to need to demonstrate over the first, you know, over the first few months of the season. Otherwise, you know, depending on where the Jets are, come, you know, come close to the trade deadline, are they going to be stuck holding on to him, potentially losing him for nothing in the offseason? Or are they going to have to settle for pennies on the dollar because he's still just that one trick pony? That's the you know reality of the situation for the Winnipeg Jets right now by you know, whether they didn't make the move because there wasn't a market that they were interested in or they didn't make the move because they think that they can run back this team to greater success, you know, that both of those are quite possible. But, you know, eventually you have to bleep or get off the can, and that eventually won't be that long into the season. I do. I definitely do see a scenario where Shifley's trade value and uh, and offers to the Winnipeg Jets are significantly higher this season and towards the trade deadline than they would have been in the offseason. I think that if there was anything good that made sense for the team to do it, they would have done it. And it hasn't happened. But, you know, come the trade deadline, if he gets traded there, you know what the trade is going to be. It's going to be a, you know, a, probably a first-round pick. It's going to be a young prospect, and maybe it's going to be a roster player. We know what the, the trade deadline trades Great. always look like. They always look at some variation to that. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be, you know, a, you know, you're talking about a draft pick. You know, let's assume he goes to a team that has, you know, that's an upper echelon team that has designs of finishing, you know, in the, you know, either getting to a conference final. I mean, if you're trading for Mark Scheifele, you're hoping that he's taking you to the Stanley Cup or you're hoping he's trading, taking you to the conference final. You're not hoping to squeeze into the first round and then, and then be one and done. You know, whatever the pick is going to be, you know, it's not going to be a player who's probably going to come in and make an immediate impact on the Winnipeg Jets team. And whoever you don't know about the young player, whoever it might be. I mean, again, the Jets are just sort of stuck in this mushy middle and they have been for the last number of years. And people don't want to be stuck in the mushy middle. Playoff you know, revenue is great. Playoff gates are great, you know, for true north. But are they great for the fan base to get, you know, two home playoff games and that's it? Or does the fan well, base I mean, listen, to be more. in the playoffs, well, well, I mean, deserve more. What a shitty team that bottoms out. I mean, like, I know it's great well, in theory I mean, to I say talked, everyone, I talked especially to a lot the people. How many people that are buying tickets? How many people that are buying tickets that are buying that? Are, I'd love to know how many season ticket holders want to buy, want to pay the freight to support this team to go there and to watch the team intentionally trade all the quality players on the team and be terrible. Like, 
that number, it's very easy to say it from the living room or something like that. Oh, yeah, and in three or four years when the team's good again, I'll come back. I mean, I I don't think that that is, you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, and that's a completely legitimate argument, and I have time for your argument. And, you know, it's it's easy for me to say, you know, that the team should bottom out. or And I don't necessarily believe that they should because they still have enough talent there that I think there's other alternatives to strictly bottoming yeah. out. But I think what the fan base deserves is to be informed of what the vision is. And that's the thing I hear from so many people that I talk to in the community. And I'm sure you talk to the same number of people. They just don't know what the vision is. What's the vision for one year, three years, five years for this team moving forward. And, you know, from the, from the get go, the jets, and this is an organizational flaw, I would suggest have never really been forthcoming with the fan base as to what the approach is and what the, uh, and what the what the blueprint looks like. And you're just supposed to buy tickets. Trust us. We're not going to tell you what the blueprint is, but there's a blueprint and just buy your tickets. I think respecting the fan base would would require them to not necessarily completely draw back the curtain, but to provide a little bit more, uh, just, just articulate what the vision is more than they're doing, which I would say is, is fairly limited or none at this point. Well, I mean, listen, I mean, I think that, like there's no teams want to make the playoffs and they want to compete and they want to try and win the Stanley Cup. I mean, the only right. like and I think of what the Rangers did a few years ago. I mean, they co- they communicated mm-hmm. a plan because they were about to make some really tough decisions that they knew were going to be unpopular with a lot of people that, you know, support the club. They're going to move on from right. Henrik Lundqvist and do those sorts of things. So that like and I think at that time if the organization does it I mean, it'll be obvious, but I think that will be that will be put forth. I mean, right now, like, and this is the thing: it goes con, it, it goes contrary to maybe some people that say this group is washed, move on from it. Um, they still believe that this is a team that you know can be better and can do better than they did with the playoff series last year, and then obviously the way that they went out. I mean, look, we'll find out that the proof will be in the pudding when uh, when the actual season gets going on. Absolutely, it will. And I I think this team could come out and be similar to last year's team and sort of come out like gangbusters and surprise a lot of people because there's still a lot of talent on this roster. And, you know, the absence of Blake Wheeler, I do think will be a positive. And I don't want to relitigate that again. We've already talked about that ad nauseum for the last however many months. So it would not surprise me again if come November or, you know, end of November, if this team is, is in a very good position playing in a central division that's not very good they still have some talent the question is will this if that's the case then i think they should load up and go for it go for broke not like last year where they talked about going for broke and then ultimately didn't because all this hesitation you know seeped in and and then we know what the disaster was in the second half of the year thank god they didn't last year I mean, I well, was then, one of the people the, saying for everyone banging the drum going, let's go all in. I'm like, are you nuts? Is anyone watching this team you know, play for the last two months? Well, but I'm not I'm not the one who said it. It was the general manager who said it. It was Kevin Shoveldayoff when the team was in Buffalo. 
He's the guy who's in charge of this team, who's talking about this team deserves a chance, this team deserves reinforcements to move the team forward and be a you know a playoff, uh, a, you know a, a tough team to play against in the playoffs and a contender. And then he's the one who said it, and then he did nothing about it. So that's the disconnect I'm talking about that I think needs to be alleviated at some point in time. If you're going to go for it, go for it. If you're not going to go for it, don't say you're going to go for it and then not do something. It just seems like you're meandering out of control like a drunk toddler driving his parents' car. Toddlers should not be drinking. Toddlers should not, <laughs> not at this point. Yeah. Well, listen, I think that... I mean, unfortunately, the way the season went last year, you know, and I mean, yeah. in a lot of ways, it reminded me of 2018-19, where the team so if you're in had a, a great first half of the season, and then, yeah, like there was not anything that that team was doing on the ice heading into the trade deadline that if I was the general manager saying, you know, as much as I want to spend some assets yeah. and go, this isn't going anywhere, and it would be insane to do that, which kind of brings us to this moment right here in this year because drew i don't think any of the the top prospects are going to be playing on the club this year maybe a guy like lambert will no. get a couple games coming up from the moose but that following you can't year, you can't expect anything yeah at the at the that following year you've got the potential to have mcgrory barlow mm -hmm. brad lambert mm -hmm. Chaz lucius mm -hmm. all potentially being yeah. part of that team and at that yeah, point, next you wave. open up. I mean, listen, you're probably taking a bit of a step back because, I mean, four rookies in a lineup, and who knows if Salmon Sun's a part of the club as well. All of a sudden, you're going really young at that point. However, if if the Jets are able to get a couple more picks this year, like in this upcoming draft, you then mm -hmm. sort of have a group where those guys will be on their ELCs for three years. You'll have uh -huh. some picks that, that will then be coming in. Like it sort of does start up that 3.0 era, if you will, that we've been talking about for a long time. And, and that is why, yeah. I mean, you know, taking apart the support and the business side of things, like what is the best case scenario for the jets I, for this season? Like I think win games, be competitive, hopefully make the playoffs. But I do think it's important to get, if you know that Shifley's gone, if you know that Hellebuck's gone at the end of the season, I think it's important to do what you can do to maximize the value of those two players in particular, allow for other guys to step in and maybe fill those roles and then utilize in all likelihood picks to kind of top up that prospect pool. That'll be coming after that group of four that everyone's so excited about that could potentially all be playing in the NHL next season. Yeah, look, the, the next wave is very close to being upon the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, this will, you, you, there will be obviously a transition. And, you know, you know, the, the old adage that, you know, every rookie you play costs you X number of games in your in your lineup because it takes time to learn how to play at the NHL level, especially in an elevated role that is envisioned for those four players that you mentioned us. Look, th th there's no question that there's definitely a changing of the guard that's rapidly approaching for the Winnipeg Jets. The, the question is, I mean, this year, you know, what happens in the interim? What happens before those players are, are ready to go? You know, if this team, you know, if this team really is looking like something significant, do you use one of those assets to try and acquire somebody to bolster the roster for this season? And I don't know if you necessarily would do that, but, you know, it all depends on how things are looking. It, it's a fascinating situation that the Jets find themselves in, both on the cusp of 
a, a, ne a next wave, a next generation of players coming into the lineup and a current generation departing. But at the same time, that current generation having high hopes for achieving something of significance during this year. Hey, uh, Drew, uh, before we go, uh, yes, I know sir. you're going to be paying close attention to that football game on the weekend. Uh, what's your call for the LDC? More misery for the green clad fans? Yes. I mean, there's no reason to think that they're not going to be miserable and they're not going to be smashing their watermelons themselves at the end of the Labor Day Classic. It's going to be a close game. It usually always is. The last number of games have been close and the Bombers pull it off in the end, you know, getting, you know, 10 unanswered in the fourth quarter. You know, I, I don't see it being, sorry, my throat's going on me. I'm not used to talking it this much, but, uh, I don't see it being any different this year, but I do think the Bombers are going to win. And then I think on Banjo Bowl Saturday, the Bombers are going to probably blow them out at home. That's sort of been the MO of the last number of years. It's, you know, that's my favorite. I love it. You know, that's my favorite day of the year, that Banjo Bowl Saturday. You know, I see returns that morning. My wife and I go and we start doing a little bit of day drinking. We leave the grand, we leave the kids with the grandparents overnight. So we have a little bit of fun. We're tipping a few back at the IG field. It's, you know, oftentimes the weather has been gorgeous. You know, that's uh, I'm looking forward to that. I expect Labor Day will hopefully end up positive for uh, those of us in blue and gold. And then the Banjo Bowl the following week, you got the, I mean, you got the NFL starting college football really gets underway in earnest tonight. It's a, it's a football lover's dream for the next few weekends. And then of course the NHL season right around the corner. It's, it, it's really a, a great time uh, of year. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, Labor Day weekend is incredible because it is technically a long weekend, but I think next weekend, at least if you're a big football fan, like we are here in Winnipeg, the yeah. Saturday festivities of the banjo bowl leading into the festivities of the first full Sunday, the national football league. It doesn't get much better. Drew, Great to have you on the show. Looking forward to you and the fellas firing it up again a week Saturday for the Illegal Curb Hockey Show in the morning. And uh, let's do this again soon. Uh, great seeing you this week. Thanks for coming on. Anytime, Huss. You know how to find me. Always always love doing it with you, brother. Good stuff. At IC Drew and, of course, at Illegal Curve. I don't need to tell you about that. The boys are uh, just, uh, what's nine days away from uh, getting back together. And I'm sure it'll be like they never left. All right. Really looking forward to getting Marat back on the program today. He's coming up and we're going to talk about some interesting rules that uh, they're testing out in the uh, Champions League. We were just touching off at the start. But um, listen, just before we do that, big shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. Folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, get on down to one of the six Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca which now has same-day local delivery if you place your order at MyVita before 11 a.m. Uh, and right now, they've got a free local delivery order when you place an order online. When checking out, use the discount, discount code LOCALSHIP, all one word, LOCALSHIP, and uh, free delivery anywhere else. Details are all on the website over at myvita.ca uh, got hot weather this week got one more great grilling long weekend pick up those delicious uh, grass-fed bison and beef steaks maybe some sober carpenter beer santa cruz lemonade for that and by the way if your uh, joints and muscles are a little sore from all your outdoor activities get on down there and try health curcumin supreme extra strength helping ease pain and inflammation vita health 
empowering people to lead healthy lives, six Winnipeg locations, and online at myvita.ca. Uh, our friends at Wallace & Wallace have had a very busy summer. Not only are they the fencing and overhead door experts in town, but they've been doing so much temporary fencing as the experts there. If you've ever got temporary fencing needs, Wallace & Wallace has you covered. And of course, if you need the security and protection of a new fence, they've got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences, and the biggest selection of overhead garage doors in town as the exclusive Clopay dealer. Just give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Crescent off of Keniston. How's the closet looking, fellas? If uh, you got to up your menswear game heading into fall, you need to get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. And hey, if you're in a wedding party or having a wedding next year, Talk to Andrew and his staff about a 15% discount when the wedding party gets suited up at F Apparel. They're at 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out online as well at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And you know what? I got to give a big shout out to our pal, Nick. Nick and Nikki, uh, you know, of course, there are friends from the Nick and Nikki DQ group with four locations, including the DQ in Niverville. Today... They're opening the new Pita Pit in Niverville. Obviously, many of you have tried Pita Pit. If you haven't already, great, healthy food to, to go. Um, fresh, affordable catering. Uh, a quick, healthy meal for the family. And the only fresh fruit smoothies in Niverville. So if you're in the Niverville area, get on down there. Say hi to them. Tell them the uh, gang here sent you. And you can also follow them and inquire on catering at Pita pit neverville so congratulations to nick and nikki on that all right let's get uh let's get marada tesh in here to keep the party going on a friday after or a thursday afternoon hit that thumbs up by the way everyone let's get that over 100 marat what's up man how are you hey i'm good i'm good i, I like the friday vibes you try to trick us with but uh yeah, you know, yeah. already in long weekend so this is this is just a pleasure call for me uh, I love it. I love it. Listen, you know, we want to get to some of the NHL stories, but something really interesting came across my feed today, and it is involving the Champions League out in Europe. Gordon Miller tweeted this out, and so the, this Champions League, which I think, by the way, just that concept is so cool, and I know you know, we focus so much on the one league we have here in North America, but it's very different in Europe. And much like the UEFA Champions League in soccer, top teams from all the leagues play, and it's a big hit. But the, I, the double IHF has started with a new format featuring 24 teams, but there's some new rules. And I wanted to get your take on this, and it's going to lead to our why not question of the day for the folks in the chat. A team will remain shorthanded even if the opposing team scores a goal. A minor penalty will be served even if a goal is scored while a delayed penalty is pending. And this is the wild one. If a shorthanded team scores, the minor penalty against will end. What uh, what do you think about these new tweaks they're doing to uh, some of the rules they're using in this league? I mean, first off, it's fun. Anytime that you're willing to try to, to play around with this stuff, I think 
I'm entertained. It's Champions League hockey. It's not the Stanley Cup final. And I, I want to know how that goes. And then in terms of those three options, I'm kind of lukewarm about one. I like one a lot. And I actually don't like one of them. So the idea that you, you know, you've got the puck, the other team's taken a penalty, it's delayed, and you score and that penalty still happens. I love that. I think that's absolutely right. It's in to me the spirit of of the game as well, like penalize them for it. So what you scored, um, you should get a two minute power play for that. If they made that in the NHL tomorrow, I think I'd be completely happy with it. Um, I also dig the going back in time, which is letting um, a power play keep going even after they've scored. And I think it was the 80s Oilers that necessitated the NHL moving away from that rule, that it used to be that way in the NHL where you could just keep scoring and scoring on uh, on a power play at will. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, historians, but that's my understanding. And I've got plenty of time for that. Somebody takes a penalty and you can punish them with the goal and you've got time on the clock, keep going. I've got plenty of time for that one. Um, as long as you're calling the rule book and penalties fairly and you're not just putting the whistles away because you're afraid of it. The one that gets me is the idea that you can score while shorthanded and get your guy out of the box. For me, that's ultimate shame. That's like you've shamed the power play so badly because you've scored and it gives you a, it gives you your guy back. I get the incentive is it, you know, go for it, try to score. But for me, it's like, I don't know, your guy still did whatever he did or she did to get into the box. So I'm like, okay, let that one ride. That's my opinion. You know, I, I, I am, it's funny you focus on this one because I kind of agree. It's certainly the most interesting one. And I'm trying to wrap my head around, you know, what the effect on play that it would be. I mean, would that generate a far more aggressive penalty kill in the league that might make, that basically might create some more goals both ways? I mean, get burned a little bit more and have more power plays going in. But with such a big incentive to score while shorthanded, that teams, you know, essentially play almost a different style of penalty killing with a focus more on shorthanded goals, which I think if that was the result of it, it could be a positive for the game and the entertainment level of watching it. Yeah, you know, I, I get that. Like, presumably, if you're shorthanded and you can get your guy out of the box by scoring, it incentivizes going for it a little bit more. That I get. It might incentivize the power play to be a little bit more conservative. I'm not sure on that front. Like, are we going to see the return of the three forward, two defenseman power play unit or the, that sort of thing? Um, and I like it. I think in the NHL, I like it when in the NHL teams get aggressive on their PK, like the Carolinas of the world. I think Toronto is getting pretty aggressive. You can sort of run through, um, if you look through the chance creation numbers, you can sort of tell which teams really step on it while shorthanded and some do in the NHL and some don't. If I was looking to like game this, I'd think to myself like, okay, um, you know, you're not scoring that shorthanded goal two seconds in. So let's say there's like a minute left on the clock and you get your, your player back. Not only do you get that goal, which you want anyways, but now you've turned a minute of play, which was going to be a power play for the other team. And if the average power play scores, I don't know, 20% of the time, and now you've got half a power play left, you know, a 10% chance of a goal in that time. Compare that to what the five on five scoring rates are and things like that. Like, just how aggressive do you want your penalty kill to get? Just how passive do you want that power play to get? 
for me, I think there's some math to run on that before you know exactly how you should go with it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, I, I love having I you. Know, a it's a Sorry, very in, interesting way of thinking about it. Um, and, and, and I mean, again, I think, you know, overall, because we are talking about something that would be a change over the course of a season and you see trends um, and you would have to sort of dive down. Like what is the, what is the opportunity cost of the decisions that essentially you're making, not only with the style, but also the personnel that teams are rolling out there. I mean, do they play guys that maybe all things being equal are a little bit worse killing the actual penalty but have a much higher upside for maybe popping a shorthanded goal and how they go with that. You know, let me hit the, the why not question of the day to the chat right now. Uh, the why not question of the day for our friends at not Autocorp overly at Waverly and McGillivray would love to hear your thoughts on these rules that they're instituting in the champions league. Um, as well, if there is one rule change that you could make, let us know there as well in the chat for the why not question of the day. And if you're listening to the podcast afterwards, Hit us up at Sports Talk WPG. Um, we haven't talked a lot about rules and whatnot beforehand, and usually things sort of come. I mean, the hill I will die on is not necessarily a rule change, but the way wins and losses are counted. And I mean, I think three point every game should be worth three points. Overtime shootout wins, two and one, three and zero for regulation wins. I mean, that to me, I think would have a significant significant effect on the quality of play at the end of games, especially later on in the season when we teams started looking to get points. But is there anything when you look at the game right now and say, Hey, if I'm commissioner for a day, this is the one thing that I would change, whether it's an on ice uh, penalty, the way things are called or uh, the way the structure is. The one that I've got onto, and I hope I explain it right because it's, you know, vacation mode and all that sort of stuff. But is that is what they call gold drafting, where instead of just automatically the team with the lowest points at the end of the year, he has the best lo draft lottery odds, draft lottery odds. Pardon me, that is vacation brain. Um, instead of just rewarding the worst teams uh, in terms of giving the best odds to the team with the worst record and having to go through a lottery at all, to be honest, there's this idea that you take the moment in the calendar when each team gets eliminated from the playoffs. So the worst team would be eliminated from the playoffs early, maybe it's January or February. And one by one, you know, the second worst team will get eliminated. And, you know, the last day of the season, a few of those, those division races get sorted out and you get your playoff tree. Well, there's this idea that if you take the date at which you're eliminated from the playoffs and you start counting points towards the first overall pick, um, you know, every time you win, those two points go into a separate standings that help you get the first overall pick. Then that worst team actually wants to. Sure, they haven't made the playoffs. Sure, they're not a very good team. But the incentive is to keep winning as much as you can because you're going to get more points and get that first overall pick. If you're a bad team, you're going to get more time to get points to, to work towards that first overall point first overall pick. Oh my goodness. Um, and if you're a really good team and you just miss the playoffs on the final day, well, then you're not going to have any chance at all, really. And that, that seems fair to me too, where you're really incentivizing winning for everybody all the way right until the end of the season. And you're making sure that the team that actually is genuinely, sincerely the worst gets the best odds. I have a lot of fun with that idea. Yeah. Um, and, and you essentially have like a, a separate 
a separate standings or a separate race competition, if you will, with a pretty massive prize many years in the first overall pick in the draft. Yeah, imagine for Connor Bedard, you know, all those teams that are in that lottery, they're not incentivized to tank, but, you know, they've been trying to win or maybe they're rebuilding and they know they're going to miss the playoffs. At some point, it becomes official. They're eliminated from playoff eligibility. And from that moment on, they're still incentivized to win. They're dressing their best roster. They're giving teams a fight as much as possible. Um, you know, I think that's a more fun little tournament to sell or to to award a player of that ilk as opposed to just doing it in the lottery and, hey, good luck. Um, congratulations, Chicago. Here's your reward for being miserable. Um, uh, Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us. Uh, great comments in the chat. Appreciate everyone chiming in. A lot of support for Murat's idea. It's very innovative. Um, Murat, as far as the uh, as far as the latest goes, I mean, this has been a real quiet month of August. Um, but I know you've always got your ear to the ground. Uh, has anything changed regarding the Winnipeg Jets? Are you hearing anything, um, you know, that maybe is new or intriguing? Uh, certainly, I mean, right at the top of the list, uh, you know, potential trade options for the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to Shifley or Hellebuck. Um, or has it been pretty much radio silence and we're expecting this to, well, be talked about more when everyone gets to town, but probably this is the way this team will be at least into camp heading into the opener. Yeah, for me, and, you know, admittedly, um, you know, from from the site and from writing and write that, I you know, I'm, I'm off until, I guess, the end of the weekend. So I haven't been reaching out to all the sorts of things, and there's plenty I'm sure that I could be missing right at this moment. That's my caveat. Um, I think it is kind of radio silence and status quo right now. That's the that's the sense I get. You're seeing PTOs go around. You're seeing teams make tweaks at the very edges of their roster as opposed to transformational moves. And I think that that's where to expect Winnipeg to stay for the time being. Whether they've got an opportunity to extend Hellebuck and Shifley, short-term, probably, long-term, probably not, uh, you know, in each... Each of those situations is unique, I should say. I'm not sure that there's something happening right now that's sending that that trajectory into a surprise path. I expect those guys to be arriving in town. I expect them to be at camp. I expect them to start the season with the Jets. And, you know, we've talked about it before. It's, it's tough to imagine a really great offer being made um, unless a team is surprised by injury or circumstance in the season until the trade deadline. Like, there's... And even then, who knows how Winnipeg's doing at that point? It's an awkward position. You want there to be resolution. You want to know what the long-term plan is. I'm sure the players and staff and everybody would feel more comfortable if they knew as well. Um, but I'm not seeing that. So, you know, I can say that, you know, Winnipeg wasn't in the Sam Gagne sweepstakes, but Winnipeg's added some forwards and is particularly deep. So you wouldn't have expected that anyway. Um, that's that's what I what I know, which isn't very much right here and today. Well, you know what's interesting? You bring that up, you know, that the players would like to know. I mean, obviously, I mean, everyone wants to have a pretty good idea about, you know, what the plan is and how they're going about it. I think the plan for all those guys in the room is to win hockey games, just to, you know, make the playoffs and to compete for a cup. The, the funny thing is that, you know, some tough decisions potentially moving off of players that might not make you better right now, but better in the future might be good for the organization. But we've heard this before. Uh, I'm not sure how well they go over in the dressing room because let's face it, there's not a lot of guys playing right now that'll be in that opening night lineup 
that really care about 2025 first round draft picks. They're worried about winning games and they're wanting to be part of a team that, you know, has hope that is competing for something as opposed to the draft lottery. Yeah, I think it was Josh Morrissey and I think he was talking to NHL.com. So um, I, I think it was this summer. I just want to, I hope I've gotten that right. But he said something to the effect of, you know, the off season is what it is. You know, we understand players have their own, their own situations, but once we get in the room, once we, you know, get back to camp, we're just a bunch of people focused on winning. And I do get that. I do get that, you know, once there are, is a roster of, you know, 20 odd players and they're seeing each other every single day and they're working towards the same goal and all that sort of stuff. You know, a lot of that, what happened in the offseason goes out the window and they're focused on the group of teammates that they have and that those bonds form very strongly. At the same time, every now and again, if you do have a contract decision to make, and we've heard Jets players say these sorts of things before, you do consider the trajectory of the organization. So once upon a time, that was Blake Wheeler and Connor Hellebuck signing long-term extensions because they saw the Jets as a team on the way up. And Wheeler said as much, and that was part of his thought process. Well, the team was on the way up. We were, you know, we were contending at that point, and that was a huge part of the decision. I think that plays into some of, if not, you know, the the pending free agents. Does that impact Nino Niederreiter's plans or Nemesnikov's plans two years from now or what have you? I'm not sure. Um, but Cole Perfetti, he, his entry-level contract is up this coming summer. And if he has a healthy season, well, you know, we're expecting a lot of points on that on that front. And, you know, does that deal become a bridge? Is there long-term buy-in? Those sorts of things. And I think you have the opportunity always in Winnipeg if you're, if you're committed to a plan that people can make sense of and looks good and players have opportunity and, and, and you can see a future that's getting progressively brighter from wherever you are at, it's probably easier to sell those types of long-term extensions to core players like Perfetti is hopefully going to be from the Jets' perspective. So that's the one that I worry about. Like, not Perfetti specifically. I think that he's happy in Winnipeg and all those sorts of things. I don't know what he's thinking about that sort of situation. But as a concept, you want players of that ilk to, to always want to buy in. And, and I think those young guys do look a little bit as to, like, what does the horizon hold for this organization? You know, Perfetti, I'm glad you brought him up because I wanted to ask you about Perfetti and, you know, his challenge but at the same time opportunity heading into this season you mentioned the fact that he's finishing up the elc i think there's a very good chance that he gets you know a significant run at potentially playing center which i know he has said he feels that that might help him in a few different ways um and we've talked a lot about neil pionk on the back end and if he can sort of turn his game around and get back to where he was a couple years ago how impactful that could be I really think that in a lot of ways, Cole Perfetti might be the linchpin to different conversations that we're having mid-season and heading into the trade deadline as to whether this team is competitive and is battling for a playoff spot and is doing well. I think he's going to have a huge part of that. And if he were to be hurt or if things weren't to go well, I think that would really, really impact. Like, I'm not sure there's one guy that has going to have more more say, shall we say, in the swing of the many possibilities that this that the directions this team could go in than this third season for Cole Perfetti. Yeah, and the height that we're talking about already for Cole Perfetti, this is definitely a capture the opportunity or let it slip sort of situation for him. There's top six minutes available. 
He's presumed to be a top six player. He'll def, I mean, definitely probably grow into a top six excellence. This is the goal for Cole Perfetti. And there's opportunity perhaps at second line center. If he's not second line center and he's playing wing, there's even the opportunity that they staple him to Mark Shifley's side. And if you have a first line that's Perfetti, Shifley, and whether that's Velarde on the right, whether that's Ehlers on the right, whoever that is, there's a chance that Winnipeg's quote-unquote second line is built around Kyle Connor if he's not on the first line or around Nikolai Ehlers if he's not on the first line. If Perfetti is a difference maker and you can put him in any one of those positions, first or second line left wing or second line center, and he's making a difference, then it gives you so many options with those other weapons. And we've seen Kyle Connor be a force that other teams can't handle. And we've seen Nikolai Ehlers do it. And we've seen Mark Shifley do it. You can get those guys free a little bit with more time and space away from matchups, et cetera, if Cole Perfetti delivers the season that ideally a healthy version of him should deliver. If he moves to center from the wing, what do you think are um, what are the biggest challenges for him to do that? And, and and what will be the determining factor in? I mean, we've heard a lot about his foot speed. I mean, you know, the ability to play that role. I, I think it'll be benefit him to maybe have left time less time in the corners to be more of a target for things that have gotten him hurt before. But as far as playing that center position against good competition night in and night out. If you're playing in that role in the top six, what do you think the biggest challenge is for, for Perfetti to, to make him successful when that opportunity arises? Yeah, I think for me, those would be the same challenges that have sort of been the talking points for Perfetti for his whole career. And that would be size and speed. Um, speed in terms of foot speed to be tracking 200 feet and Speed as well in terms of his reads, because his reads being faster than everybody else is kind of his calling card. When he's got the puck on his stick offensively, he can think a few steps ahead of other players, and that opens up options for him. Uh, he's very aware of where everybody is on the ice, and it almost looks like he has more time to work with than other players do because, uh, because he can think so quickly. That's a strength. I think a center's got more reads to make, um, both ends of the ice, defensively especially. And so I think what you would see is a little bit of a learning curve as suddenly he doesn't look like he can think faster than everybody because he's got more to process. The computer has more to deal with. Um, and then as he progresses, I think that he would catch up and begin to, to excel again, making those reads quickly, making the right outlets, being uh, an outlet to start that breakout, all those other sorts of things, his coverage. I think that he has the hockey sense to do all of those things well, but there'd be a transition to doing all those things well and making those reads at NHL pace consistently before he surpasses that and then excels. Um, the, the foot speed thing I wonder about, because I mean, the first forward back is going to take the download defensive responsibilities anyhow. So if you have, I'm going to say Nito Niederreiter is somebody who I'm going to trust in a two-way sort of role and he's busting back and he's, you know, he's F1, he's in the zone, he's covering off down low, he's helping the D out, he's the first outlet or he's got somebody in front. Well, then, you know, Perfetti can can sort of take that winger's job until there's a switch opportunity. And I think there are ways to mitigate that. It might also mitigate against if, you know, if you're worried about him handling like a six foot four center in the in the slot or something like that playing D. So I think systemically there are ways to sort of mitigate some of some of those weaknesses as long as he's making the right reads. I, I think this is I think success at center is accessible to Cole Perfetti, but you'd see a learning curve on his way to it.
You know, Marat, um, best case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets, in my opinion, regardless of what happens with Shifley's future and, and Hellebuck and really this season overall as a team, is Cole Perfetti having a heck of a season, establishing himself as a real long-term center option for the Winnipeg Jets in the top six. And at the end of this season, inking him to, him, him to a deal that is going to keep him as a key part of this club for the foreseeable future. Because next season, there is the potential that there could be an influx of youth unlike anything that we've seen before at the NHL level. Again, this is maybe a stretch to think all of these players will be in the NHL. But you've got Rucker McGroarty, Colby Barlow, Brad Lambert, Chaz Lucius, potentially even Elias Salmonson. And I got thinking about Jets 1.0 and that 92-93 team that had Solani as a rookie, had Kachuk as a rookie, and had Alex Jamnov as a rookie. And all of those players at times actually played together. Now, granted, you know, Timo was older. I mean, he wasn't coming in as a 19-year-old. He was 22 years old, I think, by the time that he was there. Jamnov and, you know, Kachuk a little bit younger, but still not, not 18 or 19. But you get thinking about, like, how fun that season was. and It was pretty magical. But it's very different now, I would say, in the National Hockey League, especially for younger players. I mean, let's just kick the can. Like, we're not even talking about this season right now. But a season from now, we'll see what the roster, the the makeup of the club is. But, I mean, these are cornerstone pieces, hopefully, for the future for Winnipeg. What would you make of having that much youth come in and potentially be on the roster teammates all at the same time, both from a hockey standpoint, but also what it might do to those windows, if you will, contractually, when potentially all of them could be coming up to be re-upped at the same time. I mean, it's an exciting thought. And if performance and, and ability dictates it, like that would be one of the greatest scenarios Winnipeg could have to deal with. It, it would mean that all these guys hit. It would mean all these guys were showing the NHL ability that they believed could be attained when they were drafted. And I think that would be a phenomenal story. I also think, and maybe this is off-season thinking, maybe this is because my la last time I was in a dressing room, it was for rookie camp earlier this year. But if you're Winnipeg, and you, you know from here and today, they've got transition to worry about. Wheeler is out, Dubois is out, Shifley and Nelbuck, we'll see. You're looking at that next window and that next era of greatness, and you're thinking, okay, well, what are our strengths? And... You know, this is a tight-knit organization. That's a strength. Um, we've drafted reasonably well. We haven't had a ton of picks, so it's not like we're stacked in that way, but we've, we've made some good draft picks. That's that's a strength. You know, you could point to Morrissey or Connor or Ehlers or whoever you like, Hellebuck if he stays, and you assess some things. Well, probably the character of that next wave of players and the character of the under-23 guys, you could put Perfetti into that mix too, um, is is got, is one of the things that you, you would really value. And if they're all showing you that they can play in the NHL and you want a culture change in, in Winnipeg and you want it to be a place that seems fun, seems like engaging, seems like everybody's having a blast all the time, well, then maybe that energy is what you want. And you could have Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry leading the charge from the veteran perspective, but maybe a little bit of hype committing even harder to a youth movement than otherwise could make the club more exciting to that, you know, 25 and under talent 
um, that's going to be coming up even in the in the third wave after that. You know, the guys are going to be drafting this next year and all of that sort of stuff. If you can look ahead at those guys and say Winnipeg treated treated their young players so unbelievably well and look how much fun they had and look at all this crazy media they did and all the different things that they ran with because of the personality and character they had, maybe that's an incentive to, to buy in as well for the next wave. Murata Tesh is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Those, those are going to be fun conversations to have. Um, and I think those will be fun young guys to have, you know, on the team, in the community, um, you know, out at the Fan Fest at the beginning of the of the season. Um, but as they say, this there are so many interesting questions about this team for this year. Someone asked me today or yesterday, we were out and said, so where do you think the Jets will be? at New Year's this season. And I said, hmm, the range of possibilities stretch pretty much everywhere from about fifth in the league to 30th. And there's paths to go all of that different way. And I mean, like, I don't know if one thing's more likely than the other, probably somewhere in the middle of that. But um, we've got lots of questions. The answers will start coming when we get to, uh, when we get to the regular season in uh, October 11th in Calgary. Before we go, Marat, we often talk about, uh, you know, player value, contracts and all that. I did want to ask you what you thought about the Austin Matthews extension uh, that made him the highest paid player in the league. I don't think anyone was so surprised about that, that you know, he was getting into the 13s. But also the term. Uh, what did you think about it? And is it a win? Is it a win-win? Does it make sense for both teams? I mean, uh, just thoughts on that. Because that is going to be sort of a benchmark now for a few other deals in the next couple of years. I think so. And and just refresh me. Was it was it four years? Do I have that right, Huss? I think um, it was five. Five. Okay. I, I remember it wasn't max term and, and that's just the sort of thing that, that stuck in my mind. I think the first thing I think about in these situations is is cap hit percentage as opposed to raw cap hit. Oh sorry, it is a four year extension. He's got the one more year plus four. So they've got him for the next oh. five seasons, but one was on his previous uh, previous deal. Gotcha. Thank you for that. Just the idea that his prime years will be spent in Toronto must make that market happy. Um, the fact that he gets out of it maybe a little bit earlier, it's not a max term deal, um, means that if he's performing at the level that you expect of a player of that ilk, you know, we talk about aging curves, but the very best players in the league, you know, they tend to be at the they tend to age a little bit better. They tend to stay productive a little bit longer and make it into the league a little bit earlier as well. So like their careers are long. I expect him to be extremely productive when that deal um, comes out. So he has an opportunity to get paid all over again. Uh, the team has an opportunity to, to look at that again. I think that's that's fine. I think the biggest thing I have is I see some people sometimes as like, oh my goodness, you know, you can't win. And certainly the Maple Leafs haven't won, which I'm sure makes Jets fans happy. You can't win with a player making that much money. But in terms of cap hit percentage, we've seen contracts like this before. It's not incredible. It's not, it's not wild. And if you think of the, the value that players produce for the, for the dollars that they make, usually the teams that struggle are the ones who pay the middle tier guys too much. Uh, if he's producing like Austin Matthews produces, I think that that's a fair value deal for him uh, as well. So, yeah, my, I, think it's a, I think it's a fine deal. Probably the biggest thing is what you said at the end there, and I'm just realizing it now, and you're, you're right on the money. He's going to influence what everybody remotely close to the upper echelon um, 
asks for and wants over the next little while. And I think that the NHL is turning from a league where you, you know, you sign long-term and you try to stay, um, well, the one team thing is, is almost dead now, but players signing huge deals at 30 that go forever uh, or huge deals at 25 that go forever, eight years, seven years. And now these four or five year deals um, trying to hit free agency as many times as possible in your 20s while you're still in your prime and producing massive point totals. I think that that's probably the movement that has already begun in the NHL. And then this is just another huge step in that, which is a huge change from how we grew up where you had to wait till you were 32 and then players would finally get those massive deals. Yeah, you can rest assured he'll be asking for eight on the next contract because that's the one that's going to take him past 35. And uh, be nice to get that sort of run the entire time. Murat, thanks so much for doing this, especially during your time off. We're all looking forward to you getting back to writing for all of us in The Athletic next week. And in the meantime, all the best to your mom and the family. Have a great uh, few days, a great long weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. And when we're one week closer to Jess training camp getting going here in the peg. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Yes, Appreciate it. There is Murat Atesh. Great chat with Murat as always, and really appreciate him still making time for us, even though he's on a little bit of time off with uh, with The Athletic. All right, looking forward to talking to Rewiki. Probably get away. We'll, we will talk a little hockey. I'm very interested to hear his thoughts on these new rules that the Champions League is uh, is getting into. Let me get into a little CFL and NFL talk with him. We will talk bombers. Of course, all of our bomber reports brought to you by our friends at Princess Auto, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, you're going to find over at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them in-store, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, two locations in Winnipeg, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Well, we do have another great-looking weekend, one more long weekend. And, um, you know, it has been such a great summer. I know Consolidated Supply has been doing so many different things for both individuals, residences, and in and companies in Manitoba. Still time to get down and talk to the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, golf carts, both new and used, is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. Saw that new fleet at Breezy the other day. Looking great, guys. Not to mention Consolidated Supply has other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And, of course, they're the leaders in small engine parts and repair. So much that Consolidated Supply can do for you. Get on down. Check them out at their showroom. Open to the public. 1395 Niaqua Road East. Or find out more online at their website at CTE. Dot ca as we were just talking with Murat, hockey season is just around the corner and if you've got a hockey player in your family that's getting ready for the season there's only one stop you need to make to get ready to drop the puck and that is royal sports the leader in hockey equipment gear with expert hockey players playing or working at the shop to get you the best fit and the best uh, the best choice it's all there at Royal Sports. Family owned is the uh, hockey superstore in town for 40 years. While you're at it, you can get into your uh, exclusive bomber gear just in time for Labor Day and the Banjo Bowl. And, of course, tons of NHL, uh, NFL merch coming in by the day as we are one week away from NFL kickoff. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And you can follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. Well, for those of you that aren't going out to Regina, 
to enjoy the game between the Bombers and Riders. Your next best place to get together with the gang, of course, is your local Boston Pizza. You know, all the VPs in town will have the game on all their big screens, big sound on their expert speakers. And maybe the best part about that game day experience is the food, ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, all the latest from the BP feature menu. It is all there. And whether it's tonight or for game day, staying in, order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's keep this show rolling. By the way, let's get some more thumbs up, folks. Great to see a big crowd today in. And uh, everyone knew that Brandon Rewicki was coming on today. Let's bring Rue in. And get ready for this weekend. Get ready for NFL season and all at all. What's going on, my man? How uh, how are you? How's how's the home uh, the home status going on? Uh, junior uh, doing a good job at growing, or is it uh, the little little maniac at this point in their young life? It's all it's it's maniacal over here. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 all good though. Every right now, I can like I can hear a little bit of noise, but not nothing too crazy. No yelling, no screaming. So. That's that's a W. And, and anytime the volume's at like a four, that that's okay. What's the longest stretch you have slept uninterrupted in the past month? <laughs> when, when I went to Denver for a work trip. <laughs> <laughs> Just glorious, I'll bet. <laughs> well, although the worst part was I went there and uh, I, I slept not bad the first night. The next two nights, they have fake fire alarms go off in the middle of the night each night. And so I get woke. Like, so I can't even, even like on, I can't even say vacation because it will just work. But like, even, even when I'm away with the opportunity <laughs> to get like even six or seven straight would have been glorious. Uh, I, I couldn't even pull that off. But earlier this <laughs> week, the little one actually had a pretty solid sleep. So I got, yeah, uninterrupted, maybe not uninterrupted, but like there was there was a, a good like seven-ish hours, which is like a major, major win. Yeah, that that is a major win. Hey, listen, I want to get to a little bomber talk with you. I want to get to the NFL season, but just talking about this with Murat. I'm not sure if you've seen this. Champions Hockey League's getting going over in Europe right now. New format this year under the IIHF. Very cool and something, I mean, we don't have enough leagues or anything to really make that makes sense here in North America. But what is key and what I think a lot of people are talking about today is some rules that they've instituted. Minor penalties served in full. Score a power play goal, the guy doesn't come out of the box. Same thing for a delayed penalty. If you're getting a penalty and the team scores, you're still going in and serving the two minutes. And maybe the most interesting one of them all, if you score shorthanded, the minor penalty is over. What uh, what do you think at first glance on uh, these innovations that they're going to be trying out this year? I, I love all of them. I, I don't think it's going to be all that long till. Well, I should say I, maybe I shouldn't say that because the NHL is hesitant to do anything that might um, bring a little extra excitement to the game, right? Um, well, but I'll tell, I, I'll tell I, you I love what, just it. On that, great. Just on that, th there is one reason. Well, there's two reasons why. This is not coming to the NHL anytime soon. One is Connor McDavid, and the other is Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, the <laughs> Euler power play is already historically good. And, I mean, if you're just giving them the full two minutes every time they score, um, like, it would be huge for Edmonton. But I can tell you right now, 
the rest of the general managers and the board of governors are saying hell no to that until those guys are <laughs> long gone or playing on other teams um, because how that might tip the balance. Um, but I, I, I mean, just as far as the rules go, though, um, this is something that's been talked about for a while, though I've never heard the shorthanded goal innovation, which is also pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because this rule was initially put in place because the Montreal Canadian power play was too dominant. Like back, I might have been the 70s, but for sure, like the 60s, it was too dominant. And they were scoring too many times on the power play. So they put the rule in. So it would be ironic that the Oilers then have the next best power play of all time. And the rule gets reinstated so that they can then abuse it the way Montreal did back in the day. Um, I, I That might be my favorite part of all the, the different rules, though, is the you scored a shorty and the power plays over like that. I mean, you want to talk about momentum boost and things like that, that like that would bring an electric atmosphere to the penalty kill. It would be, it would be the power kill at that point, legitimately. So I I'm all down for that. The only one I didn't like was I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Hus, but I think they said that they wanted to allow icing or no, remove icing on, on uh, the penalty kill, right? Like if you dumped it on the PK, that's still icing as it would be five on five. That I, I'm not sure whether that's part of this double IHF. I was just reading kind of what Gord Miller had tweeted out, and I didn't see mention of the icing, but that has been absolutely something that has been speculated as a way to maybe create more offense and, you know, not allow penalty killing teams just to ice the puck, like has been the norm in the NHL for a long time. Yeah, that that's a dumb idea. Mm -hmm. That would be stupid. <laughs> I, I would have like absolutely zero on that one it, because people, people say like, Oh, they won't ice it. Like they don't want to take a face. Yes. Teams will do that. They absolutely will do that. They'll take their chances with a face off as opposed to potentially turning the puck over inside their own zone. So if you love, if you love eight whistles in the span of two minutes, then that would be a great rule. Other than that though, sign me up for every other little bit of that, because I mean, all you're doing is rewarding goal scoring. In, in some capacity, I've, either for the, the power play team or for the penalty kill team. Um, if, I, if I only had to pick one rule, Hus, give me the, the shorty to end the power play. Like, I, I love that aspect of, you know, maybe potentially putting more emphasis and more risk on the shorthanded team to, to try and get a shorty. And it, just, it, would, it would just add, I think, a big-time layer of excitement to the game. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here when I talked about this with Murad. I mean, do coaches structure their power plays a little bit different do they do they utilize some different personnel some guys that might not be as good killing the penalty but have a way higher upside if they can get a little bit of open space and go in and score goals here's a here's a great suggestion in chat from spency the blades of steel rule only the guy that loses the fight gets a penalty remember that from blades <laughs> of steel back in the day <laughs> lose the fight you get in well what what that would do to the rosters of the national hockey league we can uh we can only imagine um let's talk a little football big weekend in the canadian football league bombers going back to regina they have owned the riders for the last few years and nothing they love more than coming back from regina with a big win and then doing it again in the banjo bowl um, this team is looking real good right now, while other teams like the BC Lions seem to be regressing to the mean. What uh, What's your call, and uh, what are your thoughts on this big football game on Sunday afternoon between the Prairie Rivals? 
I mean, my prediction would be, and I, I always hate to do this because I don't like to get ahead of myself, but my prediction would be um, Clubber Lang in, in Rocky Three, and my prediction is pain. I think the Blue Bombers <laughs> just deliver an absolute number two kicking, and it's pain all late afternoon in Regina. I mean, it, it, for the Bombers, it's not even necessary. Like, there's there's a big part of this that's all about home field advantage come playoff time. And you mentioned BC's little dip over this last little bit here. I mean, if you can go two and zero in the in the LDC and the Banjo Bowl back to back, and I mean, if, if BC drops a little bit more ground here, you can almost put it to bed through the race for first. Uh, not only the buy, but maybe the chance to rest up some bodies near the end of the regular season. So I mean, these—it's a massive game, regardless what the record is. But just the fact that the Bombers can start to put a little bit of big time distance between them and BC, mm-hmm. I think, adds a little more extra to it. But I mean, we've we've seen both these teams play all season long, and I know throw the record out the window every time rivals play and things like that. But I, I just think there's—I think there's a big, big gap between these two clubs here and. I think the Bombers' biggest worry so far this season is when they don't come ready to play, knowing how good they are. I don't think that applies to playoff games and big games like this. So I think I think the Blue are going to be ready to go right off the bat. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you. I mean, we have seen you know a couple. I mean, listen, they didn't start very well at all against the winless Elks. And we're down 22 nothing, And then we all know what happened in that game. And, you know, even still, the Elks game here was like 6-6 or whatever at halftime. I have no doubt whatsoever that this team will be ready to go right from the get-go. And, and here's the thing. And, like, listen, Saskatchewan has five wins. So, you know, you got to give them credit. It's about winning, and they've got them in. I have been very unimpressed with Saskatchewan for the most. I mean, think of the way that they've won some of those games. Um, I, for instance, against Edmonton earlier on this year. But I will say one thing, Brandon, when they were maybe at their best and arguably played their best game, Trevor Harris threw for 400 yards against the Blue Bombers earlier this season. They still lost at home by 18. So, (laughs) I mean, the amount of things I think that would have to go in the Riders' way to get one, I think is uh, it is a very, very tall task. That being said, there is something about, or I mentioned this yesterday. I mean, 2011, we were all down there. We did an H&L bus. Bombers were 7-1. and one. The Riders were 1-7. and seven. Let's just say there was a lot of strutting going on heading into the game. Uh, two weeks later, the Bombers were 7-3, and three and the Riders were 3-7. and seven. So <laughs> yeah. that is why they play the games. And Labor Day, maybe more than any, is a time where anything can happen. I just don't see the Bombers allowing that to happen. I agree. I, I I agree. I mean, it's it's different teams, different coaching staff, things like. That. I mean, the other part of it too, and maybe why I'm so confident is some of these closer Labor Day games that the Bombers have been in with the Riders. I know it's different players, but there was no composure on the Saskatchewan side of things, and that's a direct result on coaching. The majority of the coaching staff is still there. I mean, there's that aspect of it too. I mean, Saskatchewan just they they have to play flawlessly. And the Bombers have to bring a subpar effort, I, I think, at least for for them to, to come out of there without a win. So I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll take the uh, extremely high floor that the Bombers offer as opposed to maybe a 1-in-20 chance that the Riders are able to pull something off. Here's, here's one other thing that's bad news for Saskatchewan. Zach Caleros already owns them. 
And if you heard Zach talk yesterday after practice, he is still very pissed off at himself for those two pick sixes in those last games. And he said he might be pissed off all the way into the off season right now. Um, <laughs> a focused and angry Zach Caleros that's going out to prove something, I think is, uh, is just more bad news for the home team on Sunday afternoon. I mean, the only way that could have been better if he said, I'm going to be pissed off all the way through the parade. Like it's, it's going to bother me all <laughs> off through the log. So should have thrown that well, in there, but I get why. We'll, we'll see what's up. The Argos are looking good. I can't wait for that game on the 29th. And yeah. well, let's face it. I Hopefully those two teams will be playing again in a great cup rematch in Hamilton coming up in, uh, in November. Um, listen, I know that as a, uh, as a new father or one that doubled down on your young family, there's one thing that often really takes takes a beating when you get into your situation and that is fantasy football management what is your uh what what is your situation if you had to dial down the fantasy football or is that something that you wouldn't even consider and you're doing your best right now to get through draft season juggling that and two young children this is part of the package i know it's 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 not going anywhere we uh we did the big draft last night I won't bore anybody with my picks or anything like that, but I will say that my uh, my older brother just created a lifelong rival with his actions in the draft last night. And um, <laughs> like I, if I, if I, like the next time I see him, it's on. It, it's on. I'm gonna like I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna he went all in on the Cowboys or what? Oh no, that that, that would have been great. Like that would have helped. That would that would have helped us out tremendously. But no, he he was a, he was a snake. He acted like a snake. Like right, like he said. Nice, nice things to your face, and then he stabs you in the back. So, um, hopefully, he's listening. But I'm, I'm gonna scratch the hell out of him the next time I see. Like it's, I, 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 just, I couldn't sleep. I was so livid, Huss. I could not sleep last <laughs> night. I didn't. I don't get to sleep anyways. But I just laid fuming in bed. <laughs> Even when you're able to. I mean, sleep. He, he, he was, he, he was, he turned into Fred over Wiki. Like he did. You don't go against the family. He went against the family. So, uh, was it a? Is it redraft league, or did you have some keepers and stuff? No, just yeah, full on redraft. We we full do a redraft? salary cap like auction. Yeah, where did you pick? Oh, oh, you did an auction. Okay, yeah. perfect, perfect. Love auction. As I said, it's a little bit more into it, but I don't know anyone that's ever gone to an auction that went back to the snake draft. Everyone can exactly. get their guys. So this is perfect, and I know there's some people that are interested in thoughts, want to know who I was, you know, going after in the first round. Where'd you spend your money? Like, who were the guys that you sort of targeted? Although it sounds like there may have been an issue with certain family members when it came down to the auction. Um, who are the guys that you had to have? You know, there's always your, my guys. Who are your guys this year? So my guys, I had two two big guys. I, I wanted, I always want to get, like, I think it's called anchoring, where you get, like, a stud running back, a stud receiver, then you try to build the rest of your team out. Um, so my, I wanted to get either Nick Chubb or Bijan Robinson. The Bijan betting went completely through the roof so i ended up with with nick chubb at a pretty good price uh i I mean i think i think he's gonna lead the league in rushing this year and he's gonna catch a bunch of passes too um so i was happy to get him and then the receiver that i want i mean i would have gladly taken a jefferson or a chaser or some of those guys but i really wanted garrett wilson because i think he's gonna have he's gonna have a special season i mean he was damn good last year with the worst quarterbacking in the nfl behind him as a rookie so I, I I'm expecting big things out of him. So I was happy to I was happy to pick up 
uh, Garrett Wilson and, and Jalen Waddle at, at reasonable prices so I could kind of fill out the rest of my roster. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, there's a couple of receivers that are going a little later on than, you know, your Jefferson's, your Chase. Uh, I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to have another. That was my other guy. Season. That was my, yeah, the sun god. Yep. To me, he is right there. And the other guy that you maybe will cost a little bit less that I think is, he could lead the league in receiving is Chris Olave in New Orleans. Second year, now they've got Derek Carr there. And I mean, you know, Carr can can throw and will be throwing quite a bit. And then you add in that division that they're currently residing in with Atlanta, Tampa, and Carolina all potentially being, you know, some of the, the weaker teams in the league. I think there's a, like, if you're able to get your hands on him, he is a, a guy that I think is going to be a massive difference maker. And I'm already looking at some props to, get in before kickoff next season uh, next year because i think both of those guys alave and i'm on ross st brown way down when it comes to prop bets on the uh, top receiving yardage gainers for the nfl this season and uh, i think i'm going to get a little touch on both of those guys yeah i love amon raw was the other guy i really wanted um pricing just didn't work out though but like he got tackled like six or seven times within the five yard line last year Right, like and so, with just a little bit better. Like last year, he would have ended up with like ten plus TDs, and then half the Lions' receiving core is suspended for gambling. So he's gonna get a bunch of targets early on in the season. I mean, look, you can if, if your if your strategy at receiver is to draft former Ohio State wideouts, you're, you're probably gonna end up with a pretty damn good team. No doubt. You know what? Speaking of uh, that, Amon Ra, I was looking at the cool bet lines when we were doing our passing uh, prop show or receiving prop show with, uh, with Dusty the other day and St. Brown, his total for touchdowns is five and a half. Like you mentioned how often he got tackled inside the five. I think he had four or five on the year. I mean, to me, that is the most no-brainer over bet maybe of the entire future offerings. The only way I can see that that doesn't happen is if he gets hurt. Yeah, yeah, and no Jamal Williams to the the, the TD vulture, right? So I'm I'm with you on that one. I I, and I like the Lions a lot this year. I mean, any any decent team in the NFC is uh, probably going to put up a decent amount of points. It is. I mean, I don't feel bad for you as a Chiefs fan. But I feel bad for any other team in the AFC. That's good. the AFC is nuts. It is oh insane. It's just going to be a gauntlet week in week out. The NFC, man, the NFC stinks outside of like two, two or three good teams. But I mean, the the tenth best team in the AFC might be battling for a division title over there in the NFC. It's, it, it, it's funny if it was if it was an even schedule and it was just a thirty two teams in the league and the top twelve made the playoffs the top 14 i'd say nine or ten of those teams are coming out of the afc i mean that is and again what we think we know going into week one often is not the case after two weeks going what the hell were we thinking that's why i always try and go light as hard as it is when we're wagering on the first week of the season um but let's talk about a couple of the divisions um well first off your birds um like I always have fun. I'm sort of a Stephen A guy. I love laughing at the Cowboys and giving it to them at all spots. They do have a lot of talent, but they always have a lot of talent. And well, we know what happens. Uh, 
How confident are you that uh, it'll be Philly and then everyone else in the uh, NFC East? Pretty confident. I say unconfidently. Um, I, the only thing, like so many things went right for the Eagles last year that there's like a, I think all of like Eagles nation is basically like awaiting something catastrophic because, you know, they got a ton of great bounces, no real major injuries, things like that. But I mean, I, I think Philly's the class of the NFC. Um, I think, I think, I, I think Dallas is good. I just think Philly's pretty much slightly better at almost every position. And then a, I think a big time coaching gap between the two teams. So I mean, I think the Cowboys are probably the third best team in the NFC. And they like their problem is in the regular season. Like they're like the Leafs, right? Like they're gonna win a lot of games. They're just gonna <laughs> choke in the playoffs. So I mean that that part of it's great. But I think I think Dallas is gonna have a good season. I I, I don't know about Washington and, and the Giants. It, it's it's tough to get a read on them, but I mean I, I don't know if I could put a lot of trust in either Sam Howell or, or, or Daniel Jones, even though I think Dayball's a great coach. Um, I think they'll both be in and around like seven or eight wins, but I'm just not expecting a whole lot out of the other two teams there. But it's funny because that makes it automatically the best division in the NFC. Just the fact that all four teams are going to be competitive this year. Yeah. I mean, man, I, I saw the most hilarious quote from Ron Rivera that frankly is negligent and borderline malpractice, <laughs> but he was watching Sam Howell in practice and i don't know whether he had just never paid attention to the guy or what but he went in and played that last game and then said man if i knew he was this good we would have played him a long time ago remember they started carson wentz in the game they had to win to stay in the playoff race i mean i don't know how you admit that publicly that being said i think this howell guy is going to be uh he, he's going to kind of be an off the radar guy and that that is a team that could um that could surprise i went through the atlanta Falcons schedule it might be the weakest schedule in the history of the National Football League with their divisional games and the other teams that they're playing. Like, I didn't really think that they were going to be great. And then I went down their schedule, and now I'm thinking, like, this team's making the playoffs. And that's even if you give the Saints the division, because I still think that they are that best team. But I'll tell you what, from a fantasy standpoint, that's going to be fun. I mean, if this Desmond Ritter can even be average, I mean, you know, you bring in, the, you've got Kyle Pitts, you've got London, and now this B. John Robinson. I mean, there's going to be a lot of weapons there for him. And I think that Falcons team's actually going to be pretty fun to watch. They're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, they might they might be the, the Minnesota Vikings of the Adrian Peterson era, to be honest with you, where it's, you got the best running back in the league. It's not going to be too long before he is the best running back in the league. But, the, I mean, I, I'm just not anywhere near the Desmond Ritter hype. I, I don't know if other people are, but, I mean, Look at the facts. How many third-round quarterbacks have major success at the NFL level, let alone in their first season as a third-round pick at the NFL level? So I'm, I mean, yeah, they they probably do have an easy schedule, but I will say that other teams on that schedule are probably looking at the Falcons, going, "That's a winnable game for us." So <laughs> New Orleans is the only team I think that that I think instills a ton of fear into you, and I was kind of surprised. Like they're pretty high up on the um, like the over/under win totals. But you're right. Like the division stinks, the NFC stinks. They've got a, they've just got a good team, and that, that might be enough for like 10, 11 wins for them this year. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I, I love everything about Bijan Robinson, but I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna jump on the uh, the Atlanta Falcons wagon anytime soon. Yeah, where is the Saints? Yeah, the Saints nine and a half is their uh, win total. 
It's plus 105 to take the over. And I did notice that the Cardinals, the Cardinals line has dropped from four and a half to three and a half. And you know what? Sign me up for the under three and a half. I, I was going to say. It'd be historically bad. And you get out there and search for some alternate lines and see what you can get for under two and a half wins. I don't know where one win is, but I, if they win two, congratulations. I don't think they're winning three this year. And I do think that we may as well just put them on the clock right now. Do you, do you want to take, do you want to, do you want a Cardinals take Hus? Yeah, I, please do. Of course. I, I do. don't think Jonathan Gannon lasts the season. Really? Just like he won't be, they'll realize that they, uh, <laughs> they got hoodwinked. Fraud. Fraud. Just ma- major Nathaniel Hackett vibes just ringing, and he hasn't even coached a regular season game yet. Um, it's funny because he was the DC for the Eagles, and they set the uh, they either set the NFL sack record or came pretty damn close to it. And the entire pro- the entire state of Pennsylvania, basically with like pitchforks and torches, carried him over to Arizona the second that the Super Bowl ended. Oh, yeah. I, I I just zero confidence in him as a DC, let alone as a head coach. I I just think the guy's a total goof, total fraud. And um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on, on the under three and a half for the Cardinals. <laughs> well, keep in mind what they're trying to do. They're trying to lose and lose a lot and yep. get on top of that draft board right now. So maybe they found their guy, uh, <laughs> the guy that can get that get that job done. Uh, last one for you. AFC East, you mentioned the Jets, Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers is there. The Miami Dolphins have a ton of talent on their squad, and the Bills are still the Bills until someone knocks them off. What do you make of that division? I can't forget the Patriots, even though certainly on paper they look to be a distant fourth in the division. It's a good division. It's really it like, is. I mean, the the Patriots aren't a great team, but like when, if that's your division's worst team and they're, they're just always a tough out. Like that's, I think that like there, if there's different categories of teams, the Pats are a tough out week in, week out. I mean, I have, I have major, major questions about their O-line and that's usually a recipe for failure at, at the pro football level. But I just like everything else about the New York Jets, man. I like I mean that the fact that they almost made the playoffs with Zach Wilson quarterbacking the team for 90% of the season I I I just think decent quarterbacking gets them 11 12 wins. So I yeah, I'm 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 a full on jet believer. I think Brees Hall if he comes back healthy is going to be one of the best running backs in the game. I love Garrett Wilson. I I I mean the the defense is amazing. I, I I think I think the Jets I think the Jets and the Bills go toe to toe. I love the Dolphins, but man, like how can you how can you bank on a team when Tua's one yeah. rough hit away from calling it a career? Like if if I knew he was going to be healthy all year, then I think the Dolphins are right there with them. But that I just and, and Mike White's he's not the worst backup in the world, but that that's the only reason that's pushing me back from the Dolphins a little bit there. But I I do like the Jets and the Bills to to finish amongst the top in the AFC once the season's done. Well, this is going to be a fun, long weekend. We'll get into the annual Bomber Rider game next week, NFL kickoff. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll actually uh, probably have some uh, legitimate Jets news to talk about here. And of course, over on skates and plates. Ruiki, back to your, uh, back to your growing family. I know you've got lots on your hands. It's great to talk to you as always, man. Have an awesome long weekend. And uh, let's do this again soon. 
Good luck in fantasy this year. Fun segment. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah, have a great long weekend as well, everybody. And um, get the stretchy pants out. Burger week starting. So let's uh, <laughs> let's have a good one out there too, right? Help, help out any been... of the, anybody in the local culinary scene. Is there going to be any special burger week programming along on the plate side of skates and plates? If anybody, if anybody wants me to eat multiple burgers live on, on as gross as that might be, <laughs> send them my way. I'm not going to stop anybody. Um, but we, we, we'll, we'll do a little power rankings when, once I get into it after uh, after a week or so for sure. Well, you know what? Text me if you want to uh, tag team any of these spots. I'm uh, I'm certainly down, and we're in the same neighborhood. We should maybe go on a little bit of a tour one night and uh, have some fun, crank out some content. Love, sounds good, man. Love it. Have a great long weekend. Right on. We'll talk to you next week. There's Brandon Rewicki. Uh, subscribe to Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite pods. And, uh, of course, he joins us on a weekly basis here on WST. Real fun segment there. Yeah, uh, NFL next week. Huge CFL weekend. And uh, hockey season just around the corner. Um, I know I mentioned this a little earlier, but if you popped in late, gang, we are down to just a few tickets remaining for the sports trivia night at Little Brown Jug. William Avenue, the brewery and taproom in that beautiful patio is going to be hosting it is on September 13th. So get into the description of this YouTube video, or if you're listening on the podcast, go to winnipegsportstalk.com and get one of the uh, last few tickets, and we'll see you there on the 13th. In the meantime, with Labor Day weekend here, maybe you're heading to Saskatchewan to rep the blue and gold. Grab your Little Brown Jug beers here so you can drink Manitoba's finest even when you're in Saskatchewan. Of course, you can find Little Brown Jug wherever you, wherever they sell great beer and at the brewery and tap room over on William Avenue. A big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, finishing up another great season. Aikens and the Aikens experience is waiting for you in 2024. What you do need to do, though, is uh, get on over to AikensLake.com and find out about availability for the 2024 season and then start counting down the days to uh, your best days of the year when you're out at Aikens Lake. Um, as I said, we've got uh, not much going on on the PGA Tour side of things. When it comes to golf, there will be a bunch of rounds played this weekend. Cannot wait to check out Breezy Bend and uh, those beautiful new 7th and 15th holes. And uh, we got some good golf weather. Uh, 34 might be a bit hot, but as I say, it could be a lot worse right now. But if you want to make Breezy Bend your home next year at Winnipeg, one of Winnipeg's top private clubs, get a hold of our pal Corey Johnson or go to breezybend.ca and get on the waiting list for 2024 as uh, Breezy continues to uh, have a packed membership with uh, so many good times on and off the golf course over at Breezy Bend. And well, a shout out to the Gold Eyes. Our pals down at Shaw Park have completed their home portion of the schedule. They've got an off day today and then finished the final series in Fargo this weekend. And unfortunately, we're officially bounced from the playoffs last night. Um, be a longer off season than the fish would like, but great turnout from the fans all year long. Just great experience and great evenings at the ballpark pretty much from start to finish of the year. And I know Andrew and uh, the gang will be working on uh, an even better squad next year. Get to goldeyes.com for all the latest on the end of the season and everything going on into next year for our friends, 
the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Um, no Cinnaboy Downs tonight because, of course, it's Thursday, but a big, big weekend of racing. And, of course, it starts on the Monday of the long weekend. So while we won't be on on Monday, a Cinnaboy Downs will be a great way to finish up the long weekend with the ponies down at the track on the west side of the city. Of course, you can find out more, make a reservation for the dining room at assiniboyadowns.com or 885-3330. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines before we finish up today on a very, very light day in the majors. Yankees and Tigers are playing right now, and then only three games tonight, Marlins and Nationals, Giants and Padres, and the Braves and Dodgers later on tonight. That will be worthwhile watching two of the top teams in the major leagues going head-to-head out on the West Coast. As far as the CFL goes, check out today's lock shop if you want our picks for all of these games, as well as our partner parlay, which, which should be up soon. BC, four-point favorites in Montreal. Bombers, seven-and-a-half-point favorites in Saskatchewan. That same seven-and-a-half number is where things have settled with the Argos being the favorites in Hamilton on Labor Day. And it was five and a half. It's now four and a half. The Calgary Stampeders favored over the Edmonton Elks. And uh, it's not quite up yet, but check a little later on. Our partner parlay for the weekend, which we'll get a nice little boost on. It's going to be Bombers minus seven and a half. Argos minus seven and a half. I was back and forth on that, but we let Dusty's pick stand. And we both like the Elks to keep this one closer, maybe even win against Calgary, plus four and a half. That'll be up in the cool bet exclusives a little later on. And, you know, we just talked about a bunch of future options and bets with Brandon when we were going through the NFL. I don't have enough time to go through it all. We do have some lock shop content on our favorite picks when it comes to props, but it is all there. You want to have some fun, go through it. Conference winners, divisions, scoring, uh, league leaders, the uh, awards. Will there be a, a winless regular season, an unbeaten regular season? Super Bowl numbers, I like to see. Chiefs are the favorite, plus 630. Eagles, 8-1. to one. Bills and Niners, 9-1. to one. Bengals, 11-1. to one. Shout out Winnipeg Walter. And then 15-1 to one for the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Jets. These are Super Bowl odds to win the whole thing. Ravens 18 to 1, Dolphins 22, and the Chargers 25. And I'm loving Kabilis. I know you're watching. Lock of the year, Arizona Cardinals, most losses in the regular season, plus 230. Lock that one in. It's all there at Cool Bet right now. And again, our lock shop content will be up and uh, lock shop content moving. I think we might hopefully at some point bring the live episodes of the lock shop to Winnipeg sports talk as well. How we're going to be doing that with Edmonton sports talk and dusty and the guys who of course are launching their channel and show coming up next week. Um, it's going to do it for us today. Really fun show. Obviously had a great time chopping it up with Joey slats at the start of the show. Great to have IC drew back on the show. Always fun with Marat and uh, you know, chop it up doing a little bit of football and NFL talk with my guy, Brandon Rowicki. It has been a fun one. Thanks to everyone that popped out. Hit that thumbs up on your way out. And if you haven't already, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button on YouTube. Podcast listeners, thanks so much for making us a part of your day. Pop by sometime when you have a chance. Jump on the YouTube channel and give us a subscribe there, a sub there as well. Tomorrow on the program, I know people were asking, 
the Ren Dog returns. Sean Reynolds, Rennie of KR fame, will be joining us. We will also have Hacksaw Lee Hamilton with the NFL notebook. Probably getting Billick on as well. Maybe a little bit of more NFL talk. We'll get ready for the Bombers in the Banjo Bowl, or the Labor Day Classic, I should say, and get ready for what should be a smoking hot long weekend in and around Winnipeg. Huge thanks to our guy, Jeremy, doing a hell of a job getting us on and off the air while Remo's away. Jeremy will join us one more day tomorrow to finish off the week here on WST. Folks, have a great night. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to all the sponsors that make the show happen every day. And we'll see you tomorrow at 1. Get ready for the weekend on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 